0: You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. The Trek Files, Season 10, Episode 1, The Offspring Call Sheet, December 20th, 1989. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemachek. Well, welcome back, Star Trek fans, all of you uh, Star Trek historians. Yeah, you Trekheads, you tech heads. Hey, uh, you a especially, you're going to love today's show. Um, basically, all of our tre- trek spelled with an F. Hey, welcome. Happy Season 10 premiere to us. Yes, can you believe it? This is starting our 10th season, so we thought uh, kicking off a new season, especially your 10th, it befits a special, even more special than usual. Where do you see our special guest today? Where do you see our topic for consideration? And in fact, why wait? Check us out right there on our Facebook page. Our headquarters—you know—you can get the podcast almost anywhere. But our documents are always there at facebook.com Com/slash/theTrekFiles. You want to catch up with this one? It's going to be amazing. Now, here's an audio sample. You veterans of the show know. You Trecophiles. take a listen and then hang on. I'll be right back with this week's guest. Very, very special guest. Production name, Star Trek The Next Generation. Date, Wednesday, December 20th, 1989. Producer, Roddenberry Berman. Call time, 7 a.m. Location, Stage 9. Episode, The Offspring, a.k.a. Bloodlines. Director, Jonathan Frakes. Hey, we'll get right back to the show in a minute after a word from this week's sponsor, Toink.com. If you're looking online for a great selection of Star Trek and pop culture products to fill out your collection, look no further than Toink.com. It's a site full of clever, creative ideas for your home and just for fun. Everything from Star Trek bathrobes to toys to kitchenware to art and prop replicas. Hey, I love the TOS style door chime that looks just like it came right off the original Enterprise, you know, the red panel. Plus there are dishes that replicate the L-Cars look of TNG, and even a set that's lifted right from the screen of Star Trek Picard season three. The best part about it, Toink is offering an exclusive discount for our listeners with the checkout code Roddenberry. You can use that to get 15% off your order and that's on top of the already great deals like their buy three get one free on select products, free gifts with purchases over $50 and free shipping in the continuous United States. So again use our code Roddenberry at checkout to take 15% off your order of exclusive officially licensed Star Trek products at Toink.com That's T-O-Y-N-K dot com. What? Very. (laughs) Hold on. My first episode, my first day of shooting. By the way, everybody, our guest this week (laughs) is the lovely and talented Jonathan Frakes. Happy 10th season. Jonathan, I can't believe you're so excited, but thank you for joining us for this special season premiere, and uh, it's just a pleasure to have you, man. I'm glad you're excited. Proud to be here. Apparently... show to me, man. I I was going to (laughs) say, apparently... Now, I know you've talked about this over the years, but we got the paper in front of you, so it's...
1: Oh, God, it's filled with memories. It's it's ascetic.
0: We've got, we've got a first one, and then we've got a later one here coming up, too. But, but what comes to mind when you're looking at this, as if I need to prompt you?
1: Well, I was uh, preparing for two and a half years for this day, you know, from the moment that I decided that I wanted to reach out to Rick, who was the keeper of all things Star Trek at that point, and he invited me to shadow, which is what the common term is mm-hmm. in, for following directors around. Which I did, and I think he was hoping I would fall away and uh, not stay with it. And get it out of your system. Yeah. Get it out of my system, realize that what a pain in the ass it is, how much time-consuming it's consuming it is, and how, you know...
0: Unglamorous. Unglamorous. But
1: I had gone to the... I, 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 I had napped enough. Uh-huh. Uh, Robert Mitchum is famous for saying that um, I act for free, they pay me to wait. And there's, <laughs> there's a lot of waiting in uh, right. television, especially in, in the old days when to shoot for 14 or 15 hours a day. And he could only take so many... Well, Brent Spiner could take more naps than anybody. He actually had made a very serious <laughs> offer to the company, a story you may have heard, to pay the entire company for a nap for an hour. But the only caveat was that they actually had to nap, either in different parts of the set or on, mm-hmm. on uh, you know, I don't know if it was in for, but but somewhere around so that we could take tallies. And there were two members of the crew who um, said they wouldn't nap, that they were going to go run errands, or going to go pick up their dry cleaning or something like that. And uh, (laughs) there went our nap that Brent Spiner was going to pay for. How far along was that? You're serious. Oh, I'm dead serious. This was probably third, fourth, fifth season. We were well into it, and napping was a big deal, and Brent was the best napper. Thought you had the leverage to pull it off, and uh, yeah. Well, he did. He did, think he had the leverage, and two people turned on him. We don't have their names, but if we did, I'd be
0: <laughs> Maybe to. they're on the backside they're, of this box. I was just looking to see if oh, this rang oh. a bell. Do you remember who they were? I don't. Oh, okay. No, Secret I, I don't know
1: that he did, but I do remember <laughs> who some of these wonderful people were who were so incredibly helpful to me in my first outing. The first one who jumps out is Bob Sordal, who was the key grip.
0: He said to me... Now, tell everybody, layman out there, what the key grip is.
1: The key grip is essentially... The leader of the guys who move everything around, mostly the the diffusion, oddly enough, on the lights, which is done by the grips instead of the lighting department, which is an absurd truth. Right. It's not true in England or any other part of the world, but in America, the the gaffers and the electricians, the juicers, hang the lights, but the grips hang the C-stands with the diffusion, which is the uh, sheets and things that they shoot through to diffuse and adjust the light and fingers and blacks, and uh, all the all the elements that make the light adjust to the shot is done by the, the key grip and his team, which would be the best boy, <laughs> or the rest of the grips, and the the electrics, the gaff, it's, it's a ridiculous old truth. So the key grip was Bob Sordal, who was a massive man who was about to retire, who had a, he had a heart of gold, he had a incredible history, and I said to him, because I was always looking from having shadow so much. I'd seen all these sets over and over again. And well, I right. Kept thinking about what could I do. It was different, and you know, put all the.
0: You've been doing stuff. homework in your head for months because I, you'd been on this path for a long time. How when? How soon into the show did you say, "Hey, Rick, I want to
1: direct"? I think in the middle of the first season, I must have said, uh, "Can I do this?" And then he said, as I told you, that uh, you can follow these directors. We'll get permission from them, and as I. Stayed with that. The big deal was that I would always go in on the days that I wasn't shooting to prove my interest. Mm -hmm. And my wise, beautiful wife, Jeannie Francis, said to me one day when I was sitting in her house and saying, you know what, I don't think I'm going to go in today. I'm I'm not not shooting, and I've been doing this for years. And she said to me, that's exactly what Rick's waiting for. Mm-hmm. And I got in a car and I got my ass over to Paramount.
0: <laughs> She's a
1: keeper. You ought to she, hang on to yeah, her. I, mean, I will. <laughs> so eventually it, it opened up. I've told this story many times, but it widened out. And they, you know, I realized that the thing I knew least about probably was the uh, was the editing. I knew something about staging, mm-hmm. I knew about talking to the actors I knew a little bit about the camera and certainly knew how to communicate with people. But the editing was a mystery to me, like uh, like um, composing is. So I was uh, given access to the editors, but Bengo and Letterman, who were mm-hmm. among the, were all want to be directors as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really wanted to direct as badly as I did. So I'm sure the last thing they wanted to do was help move me up the pecking order. But to their credit, they were incredibly uh, helpful and unselfish and. Um, I, I, was, I was very impressed with not only what I learned, but how they how they took care of me. Not unlike what happened at the end of all these Star Treks when uh, Berman or someone thought it was a good idea to, to invite Troy and Riker to be on the last episode of Enterprise. Uh-huh. Does this ring a bell? Uh-huh. I think I've heard of this. And uh, <laughs> I said to Rick, why would we go to this show that's being essentially canceled prematurely at scott's show Why, what he said it's going to be a, a valentine to mm-hmm. the fans i said rick i don't think i don't think if i was scott bacula or anybody else in that cast i wouldn't want a valentine coming from from next gen and landing on our last episode but scott was again insult to injury yeah. yeah yeah anyway i digress well, you know, that's what this happens. That's what happens on a podcast.
0: You were the first actor to do that, and kind of opened the door for 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 Lavar and even Roxanne and 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 Robbie and Robbie, um, and a lot of a lot of them did some more. A lot of them did one or two on the. They're they're the ones we talked about. There were the ones that gone on to do it big time. Well, you know, and then through, it feels weird when you're in that valley that it's endless. They wound up being 18 years of Berman until Enterprise till that illustrious <laughs> finale and then everybody's like in the desert and then J.J. comes and does his movies but it's still not the same as having you know weekly TV uh, did you did you first want to direct because you you wanted to get were you seeing it as like hey I'm not going to be uh, just job security Young and pretty for yeah forever? yeah yeah you can say that <laughs> I like that job I security term
1: thinking, there is no job security as an actor that's yeah. insane that's the opposite of what an actor is or has so And also, I mean, I kid, but uh, my daughter is an actor now as well. I'm like the third best actor in my own house. (laughs) So on our show, let's look at that call sheet. I'm certainly not in the top five, four, five on on my own show. And I was the, uh, you know, I was a male ingenue. So that wasn't going to last. I'm 70. I'm looking at you right now. In spite of what's going on in Picard, <laughs> I don't know that I'd be getting jobs on other shows.
0: Well, that's a whole... Uh, I, I am going to get there, but... but I'm yeah. it around the chronology on you, around the uh, <laughs> star dates. I, no, we, don't, we don't do math on this show, unless, we're, unless we're doing math on the show. But I uh, know, it opened the door for a lot of directing. But then you went out. Nobody can say you only got directing gigs through Star Trek because you went, what, the librarians and leverage? No, no, no. Go, but oh, I was... Yeah.
1: I was um, what Rick did give me... Which we laughing or not laughingly, we refer to as Paramount University was the opportunity to not only go mm-hmm. to the editing room for three hundred hours, but then to go to pre-production, and then go to visual effects meetings, and then go to story breaks, and then go to tone meetings, and then go to not budget meetings so much, but casting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was invited in room by room to all the all the uh sort of behind the curtain parts of what it really was to be a director. And what I've learned, what I learned then and what I still know to be true is that most of your work is done in prep. Most of your work is done when you're preparing mm-hmm. to shoot and when you have a game plan that you try to execute over the next however many days you have to, to make your episode.
0: What was, as an actor coming to the director's chair, what was the biggest, either the biggest surprise or the hardest thing, skill set to master?
1: The hardest thing for, for me as an actor directing myself was to not only see myself in a shot when I was looking at... Um, playback of a shot that I had just done. and Or in the edit, not just look at Riker and to try to pull yourself back mm-hmm. and uh, see Riker as a piece of the puzzle. And I, I got better and better and better at that because I used to sort of overtrain and, and cut away from myself because I felt it was too vain. Or that's all I thought. I was, oh, my God, that's stupid. That's stupid. And I said, well, look around the room. You know, there are other people doing things. and So that was the, and it's a, quite an obvious, uh, Thing to do because I mean even now as we've all done for the last three years on Zoom calls, you find on the Zoom call you're looking in your own. How do I look? Oh, maybe if I lift my head up a little bit? Am I right? Who doesn't look at themselves in a
0: Zoom call? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. At least in the 2020. By now we've got it all down pat. <laughs> got it down pat. <laughs> we know what we're doing. Well, yeah, you know, all the you know, and not just Next Gen, but the Voyagers you did, and then and uh, Enterprise. And, of course, setting up to direct on, direct first contact. Hmm. Um, and that was a long... I mean, the world has changed so much, the media, the production, and, and directing. And, of course, the the series in between, all the other credits you've done. And then coming back and working on... On the modern shows and our other document this week is not this season not this illustrious picard season three but this is your first these are both day ones by the way so i pulled a day one out of this and this is day one and you you'd direct it on uh, discovery and and strange new worlds later but this is second season picard and um the fifth episode they do them in blocks at picard right which is kind of interesting I, I basically wanted to say what uh, strikes you over the years is uh I mean the basic skills are there but what's what's been the big change what's been the evolution of what uh, or, Well you know the landscape of just the way the well, shows we moved work. from film
1: obviously right. to digital that was a major situation and since then the time of, amount of money and time you have has changed considerably but what i found most significantly it doesn't apply to Picard but on the other new new shows um, Strange New Worlds and and Discovery We shoot in what is referred to either as the volume or the AR wall. Mm -hmm. And that, for uh, those at home, is a volume-shaped horseshoe, which projects 30,000 LED lights that are magically connected to the uh, algorithm of the camera, the, the A camera, and the background it can be a mountain. It can be a jungle. It can be uh, Paris. It can, it can be Starbase. Exactly. Can, yeah. So sets are built electrically, with a couple of little pieces in the middle of the room that are practical, and it has changed the whole. When we used to stand on a bridge, and look at a green screen with a piece of tape on it and pretend it was a <laughs> you know a nasty Vulcan, we now have a massive <laughs> city or, or the, you know. A class M planet. It's it's um it's quite spectacular. That we and we I think we're still wrapping our heads around. I'm certainly getting more and more familiar with it. And the people who who really understand it, there are there are drawbacks and there are limitations. But it is it's amazing.
0: Is there well I basically I tell people that it's it's like a, it's a it's a green screen filled in, like the compositing is done, but it's in 3D for the actors and for the camera both. It's so so you don't have to worry about the exactly. angle being off.
1: Well, the, you do have to worry about it when you use two cameras. That's the problem. OK. Because it listens to the brain of the, for, of the A camera. So you have to shoot like an L instead of what you'd ordinarily do is shoot wide and tight from one angle. And that, that, They haven't figured that part out yet. And they haven't also figured slow motion out yet, at least on our oh. volume. Oh. It's a little dish on the volume. <laughs>
0: Well, what's been, uh, is there something, anything you miss from the old, I say the old days, I hate to sound so... They are the old
1: days. It was 1987.
0: Yeah. Well, all the way up through the mid-2000s, although they went digital, the the last year of Enterprise went digital.
1: Uh, Yeah, we shot um, First Contact on film. mm -hmm. We Insurrection we shot on film, I think.
0: Right, yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's all it's storytelling, you know. It's such a cliche, but it's really just making sure you know where the beats are in the story, make the emotional points you want to make, and now with, you're only sort of limited by your imagination. On the new shows, you're encouraged, we are encouraged, to shoot in a much more cinematic, filming mm-hmm. way, inspired by J.J.'s uh, movies. And uh, Alex Kurtzman, who's the keeper of all things Star Trek now, was obviously involved in, in that world. And Tunde, Ola Tunde Osinsami, who runs, who's the producing director on um, on Discovery, is a great shooter. And Doug Arendakowski, who's the producing director on Picard, is a great shooter. And Chris Fisher is the they're, they're big, big shooter. So it's competitive. <laughs> uh, as Robbie Duncan McNeil likes to say, we shoot to thrill. Mm-hmm. I mean, you still have to get traditional coverage, obviously, and you have to make sure that you don't miss close-ups because writers want to see close-ups of their favorite lines when they get the cut to work on <laughs> but it has um, the the idea of how you're telling the story hasn't changed you have more toys but if you get lost in the toys you're you're not going to get house back
0: well now I have to I have to bring this up because you did the math a minute ago you're 70 the, you know part of this is your Star Trek royalty they love having you there but you're obviously bringing bringing the juice the shows are the, the season three we've seen this, this season. Your two have, have been out there already. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're awesome. Um, I could talk about the, the trouble of. You used to be when you would direct, like, like in The Offspring, I so remember how there's one Riker scene. It's yeah. the, it's the great Whoopi, kiss and tell. The <laughs> grabs
1: across the bar. <laughs> yeah. But that was yeah. we had time Or Hallie Todd, it. a lol. Uh, Hallie, yes. Exactly. Um, yeah, she was great. <laughs> Sure. My great bit of directing in that episode was, Hallie said, "How am I gonna? How am I supposed to play this? How am I supposed to play Lal, who's Data's daughter?" I said, "Well, you see Brent right there. <laughs> Watch him <laughs> do everything he does, <laughs> and she did. She adopted his movement, and, it's, and it was." Uh, Brilliant direction mm-hmm. on, my, on my part. So you were destined, destined, uh, yeah, exactly. directoral
0: genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I. It's uh, it says something. So here's the last question on the directing side of things. So you hear people talk about: uh, Are you a tech director? Or are you an actor's director? Right. And I'm going to say you're actor. Obviously, you came there. You have mastered the tech. I'm going to say there should be a third category because you keep getting asked. You don't have to be, and you're working on other projects too. I'm going to say you're a crew director because it's like you strike me and everybody talks about how you make everybody happy. You lift the spirit. You lift the thing off the, off the page. Uh, it's not just the actors and it's not just your mastery of tech stuff, even with support. It's like everybody, I don't want to say has a good time. That sounds like they're goofing off and they're working hard. But I'm going to call you a crews director, crew including actors. And you just called else. me a crews director. Do you hear that? <laughs> Well, that's the perk. That's I the, uh, see, like Love Boat. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. There you go. Which could be a spinoff and was an SNL skit for Star Trek. <laughs> no, but I'm seriously. I, that's very generous. It's like people are, you know, they're having you come back. They don't have to. It's not, it's, you know, you're, you're knocking it out of the park. Everybody loves shooting with you from what we're hearing. So um, that's got to be, that's got to say something. Good, good choice back in 1989 or
1: 86. I'm a better director than I was as an actor, hmm. I think. I, I, I'm more confident and that helps. And I also like um, I like control. <laughs> I'm a control freak. I like people. You've got to like all kinds of people because they're, you know, the diff- actors, as we know, are children, mm-hmm. childlike or childish or some combination thereof, needy, all the other, you know, artists, brilliant. And behind the camera, the same different combination of personalities, depending on what What uh, department you're in or what day it is or what hour of the day it is so there's a lot of uh, need to be observant and sensitive to who who's doing what and everybody you know we're in it together it's a team complete team sport (laughs)
0: Well, I just I have to end on this, and I'm not even going to give you much of a chance to respond, but I just think about The Offspring, where there was that one Riker scene, because they're thinking, oh, Jonathan's directing, let's go easy on Riker, we'll give him one scene. That's not the case with Picard. Ooh. You're all through them. It's awesome. You're knocking it out of the park directing. It's the best Riker, you would say, I think. It's even the most in-depth Riker we've seen. So I'm just saying hats off to you, man. Kudos. Kudos.
1: Thank you very much.
0: That was fun. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thank you, but also thank you for uh, helping us kick off our 10th season. Happy 10th season to you all. <laughs> thank you. And uh, we'll, we'll have to have you back sometime, Jonathan. What a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't worn him out yet, folks. <laughs> hey, The Trek Files is produced for a 10th season now by Roddenberry Entertainment. All of our documents and your chance to comment, and please do, are available there at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. Now, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek in Portal 47. Uh, yeah, that's me, at LarryNimichek.com. That's also where you can link in for all the new Trek Files swag and shirts at our Tee Public shop, too. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.